0: Great to be here on Easter Sunday. We have a lot of Bible readings in my message this morning, so if you, it's all going to be on the screen. Hang in there. I'm hoping it's worth it, but you'll be the judge of that when you go home and talk about it over Easter lunch. But um, hang in there. It's a, good, look, it's a good message, a good big idea. Whether I do that well or not is another thing, but let's pray for help. Father God, help us to understand your word and see Jesus as he is today, that we might honour, worship and praise him. And give him the glory that is his due, we ask in his saving name. Amen. Well, if you were here on Friday, on Good Friday, you would know that I asked the question, who is that man? The man upon the cross, or even I said, well, what is that man? Like, what sort of person is he? Well, and the answer was, he is the Messiah, the Christ, who is very God and very man. He is the God-man. And therefore the only one sufficient, worthy to pay for our sins, to cover them over, to make atonement. Well, this Easter Sunday, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive, he is risen, he is risen indeed, I want to ask the same question. Who is this man? This risen man. After the wonder and the glory and the seeming impossibility of resurrection. Uh, I saw an ad for Andrew Denton's latest show on interviews and it was sort of semi, semi, I don't find him particularly funny, but so it was semi-comical in my opinion. And it was like, so what's been your favourite interviews you've ever done, Andrew? And it was like uh, Bill Clinton and... um, Elton John, he was fun. And then, oh, Elizabeth I. And then, oh, but the best perhaps of all was when I res- interviewed Jesus Christ. He was absolutely radiant, said Andrew Denton. In joking, because there's one view of a risen Jesus or the Simpsons. He, Jesus turns up on, on the Simpsons occasionally. It's been a while since I've watched. Jesus is always a bit confused, a bit naive. He's always got a beard, a brown beard. Um, you see Jesus in medieval paintings. You see Jesus here at Rio, there's a lot of variation. For many, it's kind of an irrelevant question. Who is this risen Jesus? What sort of person or man is he? Because, well, he's a dead man. Perhaps even a work of fiction. Yeah, he may have been a prophet if he existed or a wonder worker or a good man or a liar. Or a fool, but we don't have to deal with him now. In fact, the big problem we have is with those who say they follow him, who follow this fantasy of resurrection. So who is this Jesus? I don't want us today, however, to take our cues from the media or from our society. I don't want us to take them from medieval paintings or even from Brazil or gift cards. I want us to go back to the Bible and to see what the Bible says about who Jesus is today. And the Bible has a lot to say on this topic. We're going to look at three parts of the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, the story of Jesus, the Acts of the Apostles, the birth of the New Testament church and then the last book in the Bible, John's Revelation, his vision. And see what sort of picture those three areas portray of who Jesus is. We'll start with Matthew's Gospel. Now, is my phone not playing the game today? I don't know if it's me or the phone or Jimmy, but we'll take it. The Gospels record the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, as does Matthew's Gospel. In that Gospel, we read a bit this morning, the women go to the tomb... Wondering how they're going to roll the stone away. And it's empty and there's angels. And they see the guards and they're terrified. And guess what? The women are terrified too. The stone's been rolled away. The tomb is empty. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. I know you're looking for the dead man. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come, come, come. Look at the place where he laid, they said. Come on, have a look. He's risen. He's alive. And he appears to his disciples and he tells them to go to Galilee, and so they go to Galilee, well, this is the last bit he has written. Go tell the disciples he has risen from the dead, So they go, and the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw Jesus, they worshiped Him. But some doubted. Who is this Jesus? They worship Him. Now, throughout the whole Old Testament, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down or worship anything other than the living God. This was fundamental to Jewish identity. Sometimes you'll have a cult leader who will expect his, usually his followers to worship them. It's terrible. Throughout history we've had Caesars, we've had Stalins, we've had Maos, we've had Kims and they expect the people who are in their nations to in a sense worship them. No other lords, no other gods. Bow down before my image. Put it up in every room. Some people worship rock stars or internet celebrities and we think that's awful, that's so beneath you. They're just human beings. You do not worship a person. The disciples meet Jesus, the one they saw crucified, and the penny drops and they worship him. Though some still doubt because it's hard to worship a person, a man. They recognize in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And if it's God with us, well, you worship God. And there is Jesus, their teacher, their rabbi, the risen Lord, and there is no censure, in fact, quite the opposite. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Before Jesus' resurrection, he did have authority. He had authority to teach. He had authority to heal, to cast out spirits, evil spirits to forgive sins, even to raise the dead. But it was all localized authority where Jesus was. Now Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth, the entire cosmos has been given to me. The risen conquering king. This is endorsed throughout the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're told that Jesus given authority from the Father and that everything has been placed under his feet. In Philippians, we're told that Jesus now has the risen Jesus, has the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth. All authority, all worship, Jesus now has a kingly dominion. He has divine saving authority and everything is his. Indeed, this statement, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, is really an allusion to a key passage from the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7. The prophet Daniel has a vision of God. He sees whom he, the one whom he calls the Ancient of Days. And in my vision at night, says Daniel, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence and he, the one like a son of man, was given authority. Glory and sovereign power such that all nations and peoples, not just the disciples of every language, worshipped him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. There's the prophecy. Jesus says all authority has now been given to me post my resurrection. I am the risen conquering son of man, son of God. My kingdom comes. The risen Jesus defeated death. He defeated the devil. He has brought life and immortality to light through the good news of the gospel. And so on Easter Sunday, yes, we have eggs. Yes, we have flowers. Yes, we have bunnies and celebration. And they're nice and good things. And I hope you enjoy those things. But better, we have an empty tomb. But even more, maybe... We should be celebrating Easter Sunday with crowns and wreaths and fireworks and worship. Perhaps we should call it Coronation Sunday, Victory Day. Ride on King Jesus, says the old spiritual. No man can hinder thee. Ride on King Jesus, risen from the dead. All authority has been given to you. Thine be the glory, risen conquering Son. Endless is the victory thou, O death, has won. There's Easter Sunday celebration. Let's move on. Acts of the Apostles. (coughs) The birth of the New Testament church is recorded there. (coughs) We've been doing a series in Acts on Sunday mornings. Uh, called a new home from Acts chapter one and two, where fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples are told by Jesus to wait in Jerusalem because He will send them the promised Holy Spirit. And then one day, as they're gathered in the morning, a violent, there is a violent wind. There are tongues of fire land upon the disciples. They start speaking in other languages, such that people the city is full of people from other parts of the world, and they can all hear them speaking in their own language and it's the coming of the Holy Spirit of God upon these new disciples. And there's confusion. What's going on? This is a crazy sort of a thing. So the Apostle Peter stands up and he begins to explain what has happened. This is the new day promised in the Old Testament. The prophet Joel, this is the new day of God's Spirit. God's people have found a new home. And the foundation of this new start, this fresh start, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's repeated over and over again in Peter's message but just a little bit this man says Peter was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men you put him to death by nailing him to the cross but God raised him from the dead here's the foundation freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him a little later in that message God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it we've seen him He is now exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. That's what's happened today, says Peter. And he's poured out what you now see and hear. Founded on the resurrection. In that message, Peter quotes the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 110, where King David speaks about his Lord, who is seated at the right hand of the Father of God in heaven. And this Lord of David's, well, all of his enemies have now become his footstool. He is the risen, conquering king. Conclusion of Paul's sermon. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He is the risen, conquering king. Thine be the glory. And the people are cut to the heart. And so Peter calls them to respond and says to them, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, name of Jesus Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you too will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that day 3,000 people repent and are baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people worship 3,000 people bow before Jesus in baptism and submit to his rule and they identify with him and say, You, King Jesus, are my king. You are my risen, conquering son. I share, symbolized in baptism, in your death and in your resurrection and in your victory. I find my life in you. I am your subject you are my risen, conquering king. And every time we see a baptism, we've had them on Easter Sunday before, it's a powerful expression of worship that Jesus is king, that Jesus reigns and I identify with him. I am his subject. He is my Lord. Powerful stuff. Perhaps most powerful of all, though, is the last book of the Bible, <coughs> Revelation. Revelation. The Apostle John is an old man. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos off Turkey because of his faith in Jesus. He was a threat to the authorities. He's the only disciple still left. All the others have been executed. Now where is the authority, power and glory of Jesus when you have an old man sitting in a pit on an isolated Greek island? Where's King Jesus? Well, John receives a vision from God of the future to encourage him and as he writes it down, he sends it to other churches that it might encourage them. He starts with greetings, as you often do in these old writings. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And grace and peace to you from also Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the first to be raised eternally, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, says John, subject to these kings sitting on an island. Jesus Christ is their boss. He's their ruler. He is Lord. Now, that's enough to say Jesus is risen, conquering king, but that is as nothing compared to the description of Jesus that John soon goes on to make. He hears behind him a loud voice like a trumpet blast. Bah! And he turns around. This is as clear as crystal, this vision. That was a bit high, that trumpet, wasn't it? <laughs> a bit thin, cheap trumpet. Thought you might buy for your kids in year eight five, but um, um. So he's having a very clear vision. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw the seven golden lampstands. This is symbolic, heavy stuff. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Oh, that's Daniel seven language. He is dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash round his chest. Son of man, but look at the description. It's a long robe that reaches down to his feet. The prophet Isaiah, he was a prophet, served in the temple and one day in chapter 6 of Isaiah, he is in the temple and he sees the Lord high and exalted And the train of the Lord's robe filled the temple. Long robe hanging down. He says, woe is me, for I've seen the Lord and I am an unclean man and I live amongst the people with unclean lips. Woe is me, and he falls down prostrate. Now the robe of the Son of Man is a little bit like the robe of God that appears to Isaiah in the temple, but that's not much to go on, is it? That's hardly conclusive. So let's read on through Revelation. Here's the description of the one like a son of man. The hair on his head was was, was white, like wool. As white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire and his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Now that is pretty wild. Why would you describe this son of man person that way? Well, it's actually echoes of Daniel 7. Again, but not describing the Son of Man in Daniel 7, but the Ancient of Days in Daniel's vision. This is a description like that of the Lord Almighty. So go back to Daniel 7. Here's Daniel's vision. Daniel says, I looked and thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze at the bottom of the throne. At the foot of the throne, a river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. The Ancient of Days. The only place in the Bible where a vision of God is described with hair white as wool, well, the only place except for Revelation chapter 1 where one like a son of man was described as having hair that was white like wool, with feet that were burning. Like a furnace. Wonder what, wonder what uh, this vision sounded like, and his voice says John was like the sound of rushing waters. It's a crazy vision, eh? Except, you know, there was a prophet Ezekiel who was in Babylon, in the exiled Jews in Babylon. And he too had wild visions of God. It's hard to describe God in the visions that they have. And Ezekiel describes the sounds that he heard. Ezekiel chapter 124, When the creatures moved to this throne of God, I heard the sound of their wings and the roar like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army, go to the end of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 43, Ezekiel has a vision of God, and I saw the glory of God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. The vision that John sees is one who sounds just like the Almighty, with the voice of rushing waters. And this Son of Man image has the authority of God by his word in his right hand he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword there's authority there's all power there's power the authority of god who speaks and it happens finally what does he look like we always want to know what this guy looks like what does he look like well here we are here's the description his vase ah was like the sun Shining in all its brilliance. Have you ever looked at the sun? Like really, really, really looked at the sun? You haven't because you're all looking at me. You can all see. Because you cannot look at the sun unless it destroys your eyes. It's too brilliant. It's too bright. And so this one like a son of man is too brilliant to look at. Moses in the Exodus the glory of met with god and he wanted to see god's face and the lord hid him in a rock and the lord passed by in front of him and put his face over that rock because he said you cannot see my face and live no man shall see my face and live for my face is too radiant and glory glorious The one like the Son of Man in Revelation chapter 1 has the attributes of God himself, picked up from the Old Testament. And John responds to this one just like Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel did. He falls flat on his face in worship and fear. Submission. And yet this one of Revelation chapter 1 is one like a son of man, human. But not any human, remember? There's John falling down as though dead. Because remember, the one like the Son of Man, Daniel 7, into my vision at night and looked, and there before me he was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days. He approached the Ancient of Days. This is a big deal, and is led into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all nations and peaceables of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The Ancient of Days and the Son of Man almost blend in Revelation chapter 1 and is worshipped by all and has all authority. Who is this person from Revelation chapter 1? Well, John knew this one. It's Jesus, the Jesus of Matthew 28 who has given all authority. It's the Lord in Christ of Acts chapter 2. It's the man whom John followed for three years. It's the one where he stood at the foot of the cross and watched him die. It's the one where he met the resurrected Jesus and saw the marks in his hands and his feet and his side. John says, when I saw him I fell down at his feet as though dead then. He placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Who is this? It's the risen conquering son. It's the one who has been given all authority. It is Jesus in his risen glory and he has authority. Wouldn't you love to be Aladdin? I meet a, a rubber bottle, I find a bottle, I rub a rubber bottle, whoosh, it's a genie. You have three wishes. What are you going to wish for? Wealth? Well, that's always on the list, isn't it? Because that gives you lots of capacity. Fame might be nice. Honour? That'd be good. How about if I'm, maybe I'd like a partner because I haven't got a partner. That'd be good. I'd like happiness and luxury. Oh, there's too many for three, I have to choose. They're all good choices, except for one thing. They all come to naught in the face of death and Hades. Everything the genie offers. Death levels us all. Strips away wealth. It empties us out. It saddens us. Even if you want to be happy, you cannot be happy in the face of death or in the face of your own death. And judgment removes joy and goodness and takes us from God our Creator. Jesus offers so much more than any genie in a bottle. Jesus offers us so much more than that lottery ticket that you secretly wish you'd win. Jesus is risen, conquering king. And all good, all that is good is found when we submit to his rule and his authority. For he has true authority He has final authority for He holds the keys of death and Hades, of death and judgment, of separation from God. And He can set us free from these things. Set us free from our shame. He can make us friends with our Creator. He can provide us with an eternal place to belong in the family of God. He is a mighty conquering king. And with him, everything we could ever want or need or hope for is realised far more than 10,000 genies could ever provide. My hope and prayer this morning as we leave our time with a clearer knowledge of what the Bible says about the risen Jesus. Because I think if you see a greater perception of who Jesus is, it will work good change in you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. The living Lord Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He is risen conquering Son. To him has been granted all authority, all glory and all sovereign power and he is to be worshipped and adored. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not Pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And he calls us to live in the light and the comfort of his authority. He says, All authority has been given to me, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There is my Easter word for Pano this Easter Sunday. Come to Jesus. Accept Jesus. Go with Jesus. And as you go, sing, Thine be the glory, risen conquering Son. Endless is the victory. Thou, O death, has won. Amen.